Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode 94. I am your host, Noah Rochetta. Today I'm talking about the five hindrances. Keep in mind you don't need to use what you learned from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use what you learned to be a better whatever you already are. A quick note I wanted to talk about before jumping into this week's podcast episode. Uh, in the past, I had been, I've been working with uh, other partners to try to develop content or curriculum that uh, goes into, uh, ties in the concepts of mindfulness with another specific topic. And what I have in mind at some point is to uh, have a, a series of workshops, uh, a, a general mindfulness 101 workshop, which I'm working on now. And when it's available, it'll be out there available for free to anyone. And then a series of more specialized workshops, mindful parenting, mindfulness with relationships, uh, mindful eating. And one of those projects that I've been working on is, is now complete. Um, the mindful eating workshop that I did with my friend uh, Paige Smathers. Um, we've done a workshop, a couple of workshops now in the past couple of years that have been very successful. But we finally took that format and made it an online version. So if you go to secularbuddhism.com forward slash workshops, you're going to be able to sign up and, and, and take these various online workshops. And like I said, I'm, I'm working on several of them, but uh, the Mindful Eating one is now available. Uh, that one is done in partnership with Paige. It's hosted through her uh, platform and her um, website. And I have a discount code to uh, podcast for podcast listeners who may be interested in listening or attending that online workshop. Uh, the code is secular Buddhism, all one word. So if you enter that and you want to take that course online, uh, make sure you use the discount so you can save a little. So that's available now and you can stay tuned for future workshops that will be coming out. Um, also hosted on secularbuddhism.com forward slash workshops. And now let's jump into the topic for this week. It's believed that the Buddha taught that there were five hindrances or obstacles to realizing enlightenment. And these obstacles are co commonly referred to in Buddhist teachings as the five hindrances. That's what I want to talk about today. So the five hindrances are desire, aversion, disinterest, agitation, and indecision. These are mental states and they're considered to be obstacles because they keep us from being mindful. In a way, it's like they blind us uh, by keeping us totally focused on them and prevent us from seeing things through a more skillful lens. Anger or aversion, for example, can often blind us from seeing the bigger picture and from understanding what's really going on in a situation. So I'll go through each one of these well, one at a time. But uh, first, I, I want to emphasize that the key is to understand that you can't just wish these things away. Instead, you spend time understanding them, learning to work with them, practicing with them. And rather than trying to push these things away, we just allow them to naturally come and go without encouraging them to stay. We, we don't want to repress or condemn these uh, mental states when we experience them. And it kind of reminds me of that old uh, Cherokee teaching that I'm sure many of you have heard about uh, the old Cherokee teaching a young boy a lesson by saying there's a fight going on inside of me 
And it's like there are these two wolves. One is anger, envy, greed, superiority, ego. And the other is peace, joy, kindness, compassion. And the boy asks, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee replies, the one you feed. So this concept of the one you feed, but rather than seeing this as two wolves, the one, you know, one good wolf and one bad wolf, it's like, imagine you have all these wolves inside of you, a whole pack. And these mental states uh, referred to as the five hindrances are like those wolves. Instead of being two, there's just a lot of them. And, uh, but similarly, the one that you feed and care, care for the most, that you tend to the most, that's the one that ends up uh, being the strongest. Um, so keep that in mind as you, as, as you listen to these five hindrances. And then uh, take into account the irony in all of this. The irony is that these are mental states that you create for yourself. But until you can perceive that, uh, these are mental states that are going to be problematic. Um, so in order to work with or practice with these five hindrances, you need to recognize uh, when they arise. You acknowledge uh, that you're experiencing this mental state, and then you can understand that you and you alone are the one that makes this feel so real. So these states arise at any given moment. I'm here having a wonderful discussion with someone and suddenly I desire to be somewhere else or doing something else. Um, I may be doing the dishes and I want to be somewhere else. Uh, or I'm doing something pleasant, something that I enjoy and uh, uh, desire kicks in and I, I, I don't want this moment to end. Um, I can be watching a show and suddenly I'm bored or, or uh, disinterested and I'm watching the show while browsing my phone and checking what's on Facebook. Um, or I may be watching a channel and I want to change it and watch another channel. Like uh, these are all moments uh, where we can practice with these mental states, these hindrances. So let's go through each one of them one at a time. So let's start with desire. Desire often, uh, referred to as greed. This is the desire to satisfy the senses. When, when it arises, we can observe it. We can try to understand it. We don't need to feel bad for experiencing it, and we don't need to fight it. Um, in fact, that often can make it uh, take a more aggressive form. So what we do is we observe it. We watch how it makes us feel, um, how it makes us interact with ourselves and with others, and we notice how it keeps us in this state of perpetual uh, unsatisfaction. We're always wanting more, suffering from never having enough. So... Uh, desire, again, it's not that it's a bad thing. This is not about good states versus bad mental states. It's just recognizing that when we're operating from the standpoint of desiring things and never having enough, it's an unskillful way to run your life. So how do we practice with this? Well, when desire arises, just try to observe it. We either uh, desire after some something, a sensory experience, or it may be that we're already experiencing something, and we desire to prolong that experience. And we don't want that feeling to go away. So we just practice noticing it. Observe and watch and then return to whatever you were doing before. Now, often these things are practiced in the context of meditation. So let's say I'm sitting here meditating and the desire arises. It may be the desire to not be sitting here meditating. Um, so I can just observe it and notice it. And then I go back to what I was doing before, which is just observing my breath. Um, but it can also take place where 
desire is the obstacle in meditation because I'm wanting to experience some mental state. I'm sitting here meditating, wanting to experience bliss, for example. And that becomes the obstacle. It's like, because the point isn't to experience something, the point is to be aware of what arises, whatever arises. So desire can be an obstacle if I meditate with the intent of achieving some kind of state. And this is kind of the big catch-22, I think, in uh, Buddhism in general. And I've referred to this before. It's like the very reason you can't attain enlightenment is because you want to attain it, right? That's that's like this uh, hindrance of desire. The reason I can't be at peace in my life because I want to be at peace in my life. Or I, I struggle with being patient because I... I want to be patient. It's the very wanting to be patient that is the definition of not being patient, right? Um, so keep that in mind when you're thinking about this concept of desire. So what I like to do, I, I just like to analyze the process when, when it unfolds, especially when I have time, if I'm not in a hurry, like, for example, when I'm meditating and I'm sitting there in this, this uh mental state of desire arises, and I, I just look at it. What is it that I desire? Why do I desire it? Um, and then I try to visualize, well, what happens if I attain it? Um, what happens, you know, um, you know, I'll think about whether or not it's going to end there. If I get the thing that I desire, then what? What will I desire next? Does that process ever end? And I just try to look at it as a chain. If this, then that, and if that, then what? And and then I go back to the object of my original focus, which if, if I'm meditating, it's often just uh, focusing on, on my breathing. But it can be a fascinating uh, process to unpack. And it, again, it doesn't have to be just during meditation. It can be anything that you're experiencing. The moment desire arises, just look at it. You know, why do I want that? Here I am with a good job. Well, now I want, the, I want a promotion. Okay, Why? Again, not because it's bad to desire, but it's uh, it's skillful to understand the source of the of, of desire. Where is it coming from? What do you think happens once you get it? Then what? Then what? Then what? You know, you're always unpacking, digging deeper to understand this more. So that's the uh, first hindrance, desire. Let's talk about the second hindrance, which is aversion, sometimes also, also referred to as anger. Um, this is... Aversion is what arises when the experience we're having is unpleasant. You know, it becomes something that we want to eliminate or push away. And the underlying experience may be something like pain or fear or depression or guilt or anxiety. And what arises with that experience is the aversion to how we feel or to what we're experiencing. So we find ourselves in a position of resisting and pushing away. And the practice here, again, like the first one, is to simply observe. Um, watch the arising of the aversion and notice uh, what may be the underlying experience that gave rise to the aversion in the first place. So observe this and let the process unfold. Watch it arise and eventually fade and then return to what you were doing before. Now, I experience uh, aversion, uh, uh, as I'm sure many of you do, uh, all the time. I may be uh, experiencing it when I'm washing the dishes. That's I've mentioned this before. That's a, a time that I try to practice mindfulness. And as soon as I start doing the dishes, the, uh, aversion arises, and I don't want to be there doing the dishes. And rather than practicing, oh, I'm going to do this until I finally want to do the dishes, no. 
I every time that I do the dishes, I don't want to be doing the dishes, and I notice that aversion. Where does it come from? I try to understand it. Where did this uh, aversion start? What is it that I'm really trying to push away? Is it the sensation of my hands being wet? Is it the soap on my hands? Is it that I'm standing here and not standing there? Is it that I'm doing this and I'm not doing that? And, you know, the more time I spend unpacking and understanding my aversion to doing the dishes, the more I get to know myself. That's it. At the end of the day, I'm still there doing the dishes. Um, but you can do this again with, with whatever you're experiencing. As soon as the, uh, uh, the experience of aversion arises, the mental state of aversion, notice it and observe it. So that's the second one. Let's talk about the third one, disinterest, uh, sometimes referred to as apathy. Uh, in some schools of Buddhism, this is talked about as boredom or laziness. And I'm cautious to use those words because what we're referring to here is a mental state, not the physical state. So while laziness or uh, drowsiness may have more to do with your physical experiences, uh, this hindrance we're talking about is referring to what takes place in the mind when we experience apathy or disinterest. And it's important to note that uh, disinterest is kind of like the mind's way of dealing with something that you don't want to deal with. Similar to aversion, the mind doesn't want to deal with some things. So it just uh, seems to turn off and become disinterested. It becomes apathetic. It's kind of like with boredom. And I see this a lot in, for example, in relationships. Rather than dealing with the discomfort of addressing a certain issue, it may seem easier to just become apathetic or disinterested and not even have to go there about certain topics or certain uh, issues. So this is a, a tough hindrance to deal with, but it's dealt with in the same way that we deal with the others, through mindfulness, through noticing and through observing. Noticing it when it arises, paying attention to it, not fighting it or resisting it, but just noticing. And the key here is to notice it right away because uh, when we become bored or disinterested in something, we move on. We, we we distract ourselves. We don't even realize that we're not interested in that thing because we're not, obviously, we're not thinking about the thing. So you want to catch this early on when a specific topic or a, an experience arises and disinterest kicks in. You can mindfully ask yourself, why am I so disinterested in this right now? And then you pay attention to that and you notice what arises, what feelings you have associated to it, and you pay attention. Again, disinterest... Um, uh, manifests as a as a hindrance to achieving a state of mindfulness because you can't be aware of something you're not paying attention to. So the fourth one is agitation. And again, this is a mental state. It's, it's the mind that seems to not be able to settle down. And we may be we, we, we may be replaying a memory over and over and over from the past, or it may be um, replaying some concern we have about the future. And again, we run it in our heads over and over and over. And it's like our minds just jump around constantly and don't want to settle anywhere. And the practice is to mindfully observe the experience. Notice how much agitation is present. Notice the desire to push it away and watch it long enough. And you'll see that uh, sometimes it can fade away and you can return to what you were doing before. Uh, again, if you were in sitting in meditation when this happens, you can just simply return to noticing your breath. And agitation, I think, manifests in our day-to-day -day living. If I'm trying to be more mindful in my 
day-to-day living and this uh, mental state of agitation arises, it becomes very difficult to be in the present moment or to notice anything meaningful in the present moment because I'm not in the present moment. I'm in the past and I'm in the future and my mind is jumping around. Um, so when this arises in me, I try to notice it and I say, how interesting, I, I, my mind seems very agitated. Could there be some underlying issue here? Is this a form of distraction from a deeper emotion? And the mind wants to stay agitated to not have to deal with that thing. You know, again, it's, it, it's all through observation and mindful, um, non-judgmental observation of the experience that you're having. And that's how you practice with this, um, Again, with all these mental states, I can't express enough that we're not trying to change these states or trying to push them away or prevent them from arising. We're practicing with them. When they do arise, you just notice it. Wow, I'm feeling really agitated, or my mind is really agitated, or wow, my mind is really disinterested, or uh, oh, the, this desire is really strong, or oh, my aversion feels really strong. So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, And then the fifth one, indecision, I think this is kind of a fascinating one. Uh, This is a form of apprehension, could even be talked about as a form of confusion. And again, it's another mental state that is somewhat like a mental trick. Uh, I don't know what I want to do, so I'm just going to stop here and I'm I'm not going to make a decision about it. And in the uh, Pali Canon, it gives an example of, of this where Someone is out walking in the desert on a path and they come to a fork in the road and then they're gripped by this indecision. Should I go this way or should I go that way? And because of the indecision, they can't, they don't progress forward. They just stay there at the fork in the road and never move. Um, And I think we do this a lot in our lives. I think we experience this with practices like meditation. You know, we're, we're trying to become better at meditating. So we sit there and as we sit there, it's like we have this mental conversation that's going on. Hmm, is this really helping me? Why am I sitting here? Am I getting better at this? Shouldn't I be somewhere else doing something more productive than just sitting here meditating? No, I said I was going to do this, so I'm I'm, I'm going to force myself to sit here on this cushion. You know, well, what if I'm just being stubborn? And I don't know if you guys have had this conversation in your mind, um, but the indecision prevents us from Uh, actually benefiting from the practice of just sitting there and meditating. And it also prevents us from just getting up and going and doing something else and being productive at that. Um, So that's kind of what happens with indecision. And to practice with indecision, again, we simply become aware when it arises. We notice it, we observe, and we try to not stay stuck in it. You can back up, uh, back up and observe. Okay, here's the fork in the road. Here are the decisions. Notice how strong the impulse of indecision makes us uh, want to not do anything and how easy it is to want to remain there without having to make a choice, without having to pick which road we go at the fork in the road. And if this takes place while meditating, just go back to observing the breath, observing the physical sensations of sitting there. Now this uh, indecision to me seems to be a common one at the start of wanting to do something, whether it's deciding to take up a meditative practice or it could be deciding to go to the gym or to eat healthier. Um, We get stuck at this fork in the road and then we just sit there with the indecision and we never move forward. You know, I think uh, everybody's experienced that feeling of, I want to start going to the gym. I've done this. Uh, 
And it's like, okay, well, when should I go? Oh, should I go in the mornings or in the evenings? Uh, and every little fork in the road, it becomes easier to sit with the indecision. And years go by, and I never, I never adopted that practice because uh, I just remained with the indecision. Um, so that can take place with our uh, goal of trying to live more mindfully, and yet we never do anything about it because we can't decide the best way to go about doing it. So these mental states are happening all the time in all the things that we do. Uh, even the good or noble things like, ooh, meditation, right? We pick up this practice and then we experience something, uh, something um, something we like perhaps. And now every time we meditate, we want we have the desire to feel that thing that we felt that one time that we meditated and, and their desire becomes the hindrance that prevents us from being mindful of whatever it is we're experiencing in the moment because we're, we're blinded by um, comparing what we're experiencing to what we desire to experience or that we may have experienced one time when we meditated. And I think we do this in all things. So these hindrances ultimately blind us from being mindful of the present moment. That's what they do. Like all mental states... These come and they go. They arise and they fade away. And as you continue to practice being more mindful, you'll perhaps notice these states more. And the trick is to not become attached to them. Just see the mental state as it is. Watch it arise. Watch it eventually get replaced by another mental state. And concentration or concentrating, I think, uh, is one of the skills that we develop to um, to not allow these obstacles to prevent us from um, being more mindful. So concentrating on the skill of observing these mental states will allow us to develop a more skillful relationship with the mental state when we're experiencing it. So this is something I, I would invite you to give it a try this week. See how it goes when you notice uh, instances of desire, aversion, uh, disinterest or apathy, boredom, agitation, indecision. You know, and ask yourself, are there areas of my life where I'm experiencing these things? Are these acting as obstacles for me in this facet of my life or in this relationship or in whatever, in any aspect of your life? And if they are, sit with it for a moment and notice what, what may be the underlying cause of experiencing this mental state. And again, not with the intent of, okay, then I'm going to change it but with the intent of, okay, I really want to understand this. This is what I'm experiencing, and I want to understand why I'm experiencing it. And if you can't get to the why, at least understand how is this, uh, um, how is this affecting me in my life. My life is like this because of this thing I'm experiencing. How is that affecting me? How is that affecting others around me? And just, again, from the, from the perspective of I'm just observing, imagine that you sat down with a little note pad and you're just observing and taking notes. What does this look like? What does this feel like? What is this causing? Where is this coming from? Where will this go? And you're just noticing, um, as with all things that we practice with mindfulness, you're, you're trying to understand you and yourself. Uh, and I think that's one of the greatest mysteries out there. It's like, of all the unknowable things that there are in the universe, how incredible is it that perhaps one of the most mysterious is uh, understanding our own selves, the, the motives behind why we do what we do and say what we say and think what we think and believe what we believe. You know, inside of you is uh, a fantastic mystery that you can become a little bit better 
and understand yourself a little bit better. And that's where this whole premise of becoming a better whatever you already are kind of kicks in. So spend time looking inward and practicing and noticing these hindrances to these things manifest in a way that they may be hindering or as an obstacle to experiencing something that you didn't know you could experience or to seeing something that you didn't know you could see. Um, again, internalizing all of this, making this about you, your quest and your journey to have internal or inner peace and understanding yourself better. I like to always take it back to that. We're trying to turn inward. We're not turning outward on these things. So those are the five hindrances, and that's how um, you would typically practice with those hindrances. Again, as always, if you want to learn more about Buddhism and mindfulness, you can always check out um, No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners, one of my books, Secular Buddhism, or the 5-Minute Mindfulness Journal. The information on those is available on noahrochetta.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please uh, share it with others, write a review, give it a rating in iTunes. And if you'd like uh, to learn, if you'd like to make a donation to support the work I'm doing with the podcast, you can visit secularbuddhism.com and click the donate button. And that's all I have for now, but I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. Until next time.